Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from Alive Church, Orange County. To find out more information about Alive Church, please visit alivechurchoc.org. You can also follow us on your favorite social media platform by typing in Alive Church OC. This morning for the word that God placed in my heart. It was um, a word, in fact, that he gave me like weeks and weeks ago. Um, it's crazy. I hate, well, not, let me not say I hate to say this, but uh, God talks to me in the weirdest of places. When he gave me this, I was actually in the shower <laughs> uh, when he gave me this. But I want to start off by saying that many are saying that there are rough days ahead. And uh, when we read in scripture, uh, and if we are in tune with the times and the seasons of God, then we are aware that, we, that there are obvious things that are taking place in this world. We are seeing earthquakes happening in the oddest of places. Deception is in the land. False teachers are rising up. God is exposed. Exposing some of uh, the teachers that have been, uh, you know, um, preaching for some time now. God is exposing as well. But the one thing that I'm encouraged about is that we can take heart in knowing that at the same time, I believe that God is setting the affairs of the world in order. And I say all of this not to bring fear, but to announce to you today that God God is gathering his remnant. And I heard the Lord say, Amanda, I am looking for a people who will honor me. Hallelujah. I am looking for a people who will honor me. So on today, I ask you, who will honor the king? Hallelujah. I must say that despite the ultimate sacrifice that God has made in giving up his only son for us, mankind in general have failed to honor God. We have with the respect, with the honor, with the reverence he deserves. Deuteronomy 6, 13 through 14 says, honor the Lord your God. Worship only him and make your promises in his name alone. Do not worship other gods, any of the gods of the peoples around you. I want to say to honor God means first and foremost that we recognize him as the highest authority in heaven and on earth. He's the one who created the universe from the largest of planet to the smallest of sand that is on the beach. And no person, no power, no force, no spirit can contend with God's greatness and God's might. We honor him only for not only for what he does, but we honor God for who he is. And in honoring God, we also must recognize that we are sinners. Therefore, we are in need of his mercy. We are in need of his grace. We are in need of the power of of a loving Savior to love us, to protect us, and guide us along our life's journey. In this text in Deuteronomy 6 and 13, Moses is telling the people not to forget 
God when they entered into the promised land and become prosperous. You know, it's prosperity. One of the things that I've noticed that it is prosperity rather than uh, poverty that can dull our spiritual vision. Why? Uh, Because we can slip into self-sufficiency and eagerness to acquire more of things instead of more of God. Romans 1 and 21 describes this well. It says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile. That means it became ineffective. It became useless and capable of producing result. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Let me tell you, this is a very dangerous territory. Why? Because we become less sensitive to our need for God. And we begin to focus in on self-preservation instead of our thankfulness to a God from where all our blessings flow. Amen? Yeah, we lose sight of God, of who God is as our source of all things. And we no longer reverence him and honor him, but instead we look to our abilities. We look to our talents. We look to the applause of people. We look to the same things the world's look to. We find ourselves in a place where we worship materialism, prestige, and status instead of prioritizing and honoring God in every aspect of our lives. That means in the good times as well as in the not-so-good times. Honoring God is not something we do as Christians out of a sense of a religious duty or to gain his favor. But we honor him daily as an expression of our recognition, our respect, our gratitude towards the one who loved us when we were yet sinners. Amen? Amen. You know, I love in 2 Samuel 7, 18 through 19, when David goes in and sits before the Lord and he says to him, who am I? O sovereign Lord, and what is my family that you have brought me this far? And as if this was not enough in your sight, O sovereign Lord, you have also spoken about the future of the house of your servant. I love this scripture. Why? Because this is David's posture of thankfulness and gratefulness because David understood that he was far from perfect. He was far from a perfect man, but his honor for God came out of a place of gratefulness for what God did and who God was. And if you see in that scripture on two occasions, you hear David say, oh, sovereign Lord, oh, sovereign Lord, acknowledging God's power and acknowledging God's authority in his life. God is looking for a people who will honor him. 
who will honor him. And when I say that he's looking for a people who will honor him, he is looking for a people who will honor him and honor what he honors. Yeah. All through scripture, when God spoke that to me, the one thing he said is, I want you to go in scripture and I want you to see all of the things I honor. I want you to see all of the things that I require of you to honor. And so we get caught up in just honoring God. But are we honoring the things that God honors? Are we honoring the things that God requires us to honor? See, when we honor just God, it keeps us in that comfortable place and we pick apart what we're going to honor and what we're not going to honor throughout Scripture. But if we are going to honor the king, we're going to honor what he honors and we are going to honor what he requires of us to honor. So what is God requiring us to honor? God is looking for a people who will honor him with our mouths. We understand that life and death is in the power of the tongue, so we must use our words wisely. Our words, no matter the setting, should always be honorable before the Lord. God desires that we use words that demonstrate love, kindness, gentleness, humility, honesty, and self-control. Our desire should be that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be pleasing in the sight of the Lord. In Colossians 4 and 6, Paul tells us, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer or how you should respond to each person. How many of you know that we have to respond to different people differently? We can't respond to everyone in the same way. We've got to respond to each other differently, especially when sharing the gospel. We should always be gracious in what we say, no matter how much sense the message makes. What we need to understand is that we lose our effectiveness if we are not courteous, if we are not respectful. If our words are not seasoned with salt, means that, that means that our words should be tasty in the ear of the person that is listening to us. Yeah. And because it's tasty, it should, uh, it should uh, encourage further dialogue, not from you, but from the person that is listening. It's something about when that word is tasty in the ears of the person that you're sharing the gospel with. Then they want to know more about God. We wanna, they want to know more about that risen Savior, the God that is providing and who's faithful in your life. Yeah. With the times that we are living in, we cannot afford to miss not one opportunity when sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we have to combine tact with that salt, with that spice when we're speaking. 
The Bible says in Proverbs 12, 11, 12, 18, that reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. We want to be wise with our words so we can make an impact, bringing healing and transformation into the lives of those God so graciously put before us. In that, we should also be mindful of our conversations and refrain from using our mouths to gossip, to slander, to backbite, to tear down the people of God. We should refrain from lying and spreading false truths that tear down the body of believers. 1 Peter 3 and 10 says, For let him who wants to enjoy life and see good days keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. The Bible calls the tongue a restless evil and says that it is full of deadly poison. The Bible also says with it we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth both blessing and cursing and it ought not to be that way. Whatever we do whether it be in word or deed we must do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and we've got to understand that there is a mandate on our mouths. Our lips have been anointed to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we must honor the king with the word of our testimony, telling of the goodness and faithfulness of God. We have got to honor the king with the fruit of our lips because God in all his majesty is worthy of all of our praise. He's worthy of all of our adoration and he is worthy of all of our worship. God is looking for those who will honor him. Hallelujah. God is also looking for a people who will honor him with our temple. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 said, declares, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. You see, when we became believers, the Holy Spirit filled us and lives within us to comfort, to counsel, and to guide us. He is our helper. He is our comforter. He is our teacher, and he is our advocate. Christ Christ died to free us from sin, but also obligates us to his service. If we live in a building owned by someone else, we try not to violate the rules of that building, right? And because our body belongs to God, we must not violate his standards of living. We should honor God by dedicating our body to be used for his good pleasure. 
And we do this by taking care of our bodies so we are able to do God's work and take care of his business here on earth. We also honor God with our body by dying to our flesh. Hebrews 12 and 1 says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We cannot honor God with our body if we are tangled up in sin. We honor God by presenting our body as a living sacrifice and dying to ourselves. You know, as human beings, we have this instinctive desire to live and our bodies will fight to avoid death. And this is true in the natural and in the spiritual. Our flesh and our spirit are in constant battle. I never forget when I first started fasting. Uh, Oh, my God. It seems like when I first started fasting, I would crave things I didn't even eat. Things I did not even eat on a regular basis. And I was like, oh, my God, what is this? But I made fasting a lifestyle so much so that I could discipline my flesh. And, you know, I, um, in my fasting, I have not, I've always done like 40, 21-day fasts, all this kind of stuff. But then I do it like in shifts. I'll stop eating for a certain amount of time. But I've never done like what we just did, like a three-day fast with water only. My first time. But because I have a lifestyle of fasting, I did this three-day fast and did not even think about food. Why? Because I made a lifestyle of disciplining my flesh. Oftentimes when I would fast, I would be in the middle of the fast. And next thing I know, I was sitting there eating a plate of food. And I'm like, what in the world, Amanda? Focus. You're on a fast. (laughs) You're on a fast. Focus, girl. Yeah. But I made a lifestyle through trial and error and pushing through and pushing through to be able to tame this flesh. I made a lifestyle of that. Because I I want to honor God with my body. And I understand the war between the spirit and flesh. And because I am a child of God, I want the spirit of God to win in this body. Amen? Yeah. But in order to honor God with our bodies, we have to be willing to die to things that hinder us and strip off the things that have us shackled like our inhibitions. Those things that hold us back, like the, the opinions of people. If not, we become self-conscious of every little thing we do and every little thing we say instead of being God-conscious. I love this quote by Alicia Purdy where she says, God will not take your issues from you. If you, if, uh, if you won't willingly give them to him. We have to be willing to die to our emotions, 
put away those things that keeps us in a state of fear and in a state of panic and in a state of anxiety and depression. And what's so heartbreaking is that people live life that way. Fear of people, fear of being rejected, fear of being abandoned, fear of not being loved. But we've got to lay down those things and pick up the joy of the Lord because the joy of the Lord is the strongest weapon to combat our emotions. And if we're going to honor God with our bodies, we have to die also to our way of thinking. We have to renew our minds in the word and strip away all of the doubt and all of the carnal thinking. We have to understand that God's word is the only source of truth and everything we believe must line up with the truth that is in the word of God. We've got to know God through his word and live our life according to his principles. We have to die to our past life experiences that keep us in pain, in victimization, and making bad choices. All of these things stifles and quenches the Holy Spirit and does not allow him to have full reign in our lives. You see, when we allow these things to consume our lives, we are no longer a temple of the Holy Spirit, but we become a prison that constricts his movement and ability to freely flow in our life. So if we are going to honor God with our body, we have got to become a living sacrifice to be used for his purpose. We've got to turn to God to help us, God to provide for us, God to heal us, and God to restore us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we have been bought with a great price, and we cannot allow life circumstances, wrong mindsets, inhibition, and people to cause us not to walk in the things that God has created us for. If if we are going to honor the king with our body, we have to strip away the things that hinder us from becoming and doing the very thing God himself has created for us to do. God is looking for a people who will honor him. God is looking for a people who will honor him with our treasure. Amen. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first uh, produce of your entire harvest. Then your barns will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. The first of our entire harvest refers to the practice of giving to God's use the first and best portion of our harvest. Yeah. 
Many people give God their leftovers, and if they can afford to donate, donate anything, they do so. And although these people may be sincere and contribute willingly, but their attitude is nonetheless opposite of what Scripture tells us. It is better to give God the first part of our income because this demonstrates that God and not our possessions have first place in our lives and that our resources belong to God. You know, I think about that. God asked for us, uh, asked us for 10%. And he lets us keep 90. He's God. He could ask us for 90%. And we keep 10. But because our God is such a generous and gracious God, he only asks for 10%. And allows us to live off of the 90. And the thing about that is, is that the whole 100% belongs to God. And because he's God, he doesn't even have to do that. But he does because he's a loving, generous, and gracious God. It is better to give God that first part of the income because it demonstrates, like I said, it demonstrates that God and not our possessions have first place in our lives and that our resources belong to God. But we also must understand that we are only managers of God's resources. And giving to God first conquers our greed it conquers our lack of faith, and it conquers our trust in God's ability to provide for us. It helps us properly manage God's resources, and it opens our life to receive God's special blessings and provision. Honoring the Lord with how we spend our money is crucial. Because it's a tangible expression of our faith and it demonstrates how much we value and how much we trust in God. In this, it is evident that we also recognize God as the source of all we have. And as the one who will provide for all of our needs. Everything we have, our car, our home. Our job has been given to you by God. We did not acquire these things on our own. And I believe to counter arrogance, Moses made one of the greatest statements of kingdom economics in Deuteronomy 8 and 18. He says, but you are to remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you power to make, to gain, to produce wealth in order to confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. In times of plenty, we often take the credit for our prosperity and become proud uh, that our hard work and cleverness has made us rich. It's easy to get so busy collecting and managing wealth that we push God right out of our lives. But it is God who gives us everything we have, and it is God who asked us to manage it for him. It is not out of our own doing, but it is God who has given us talents, 
abilities and opportunities necessary for gaining wealth. And he does so with the specific goal of preparing people to fulfill his kingdom purposes, which includes being a blessing to others. God doesn't give us wealth just so that we can lavish ourselves with fancy cars and name brand clothes. To separate wealth from God, in fact, is a travesty. Because prosperity is totally tied to his kingdom agenda for his people. Matthew 6 and 21 says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When we struggle with honoring God with our finances, it is a matter of the heart. And usually you will find that people that struggle with honoring God in this way struggle with honoring their parents, struggle with honoring leaders. It is a heart issue. And because that trust has been broken in their lives, they will only honor God to a certain extent. There are a few things that can distract our spiritual focus and fill us with darkness as as effectively as becoming a slave to our money. I have to say that having money is not the problem, though the danger is when money has us. And that is a telltale sign that the physical has become more important to us than the spiritual. Matthew 6 and 24 says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus says we can have only one master. It does not help that we live. And you know what? It doesn't help that we live in a materialistic society. It doesn't. Where many people serve money. They've spent all their lives collecting and storing, collecting and storing, only to die and leave it behind. They allowed their desire for money and what it could do for them far outweigh their commitment to God and spiritual matters. Whatever we spend a lot of the time storing, whenever we spend a lot of the time storing up, we will spend much more of our time and energy in thinking about it losing sleep over it yeah don't fall into that materialistic trap because the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil can you honestly say that God and not money is your master one test is to ask which one occupies more of your thoughts time and efforts Jesus went on on to contrast heavenly values with earthly values when he explained that our first loyalty should be to those things that do not fade, cannot be stolen or used up, and never wear out. We should not be fascinated with our possessions unless they possess us. That means we have to 
do some cutting back if our possessions are becoming too important to us. Jesus is calling us to make a decision that allows us to live contently with whatever we have because we have chosen what is eternal and lasting. So we must honor God with our treasure because the undeniable fact remains that nothing belongs to us. It belongs to God who graciously provides. Amen. God is looking for a people who will honor people. Who will honor people. The Bible commands us to honor everyone and to outdo one another in showing honor. 1 Peter 2, 17 says, honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. We should honor all people because all of us are made in God's image. Romans 12 and 10 says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. We can love one another deeply once we recognize that we don't have to like someone to love them well. <laughs> love is associated with emotion, but it starts with a decision to compassionately and righteously seek the well-being of another. That decision is founded in the truth that fellow believers are our brothers and sisters. We are a family. God even says that we can gauge our love for the Father based on our love for our brothers and our sisters. Just like the small gauge on a boiler indicates how full the vessel is, our love for one another indicates how full our hearts are with the love of Jesus. And when we are to honor people, let me tell you, it is without condition. <laughs> Jesus. No conditions. You look at every one of those scriptures and God gives no condition. We are called to love and honor and that is it. We cannot claim to love the invisible God if we refuse to actively love the Christian brother and sister standing in front of us. God has intertwined loving him with loving his children. We can't disconnect the two. The Bible says that we should be devoted to one another in brotherly love honoring one another above ourselves. We can honor others in one of two ways. One involves ulterior motives. We honor our bosses so they will reward us, our employees so they will work uh, harder 
the wealthy so they will contribute to our uh, cause, the powerful so they will use the power for us and not against us. But God's other way involves just love with nothing to gain from it. Love just because we honor God and honor what God honors and love what God loves without conditions. We should implement God's teachings into our life by walking in love, obedience and trust, forgiving others just like God forgave us. And let me tell you, you you hear this so often from believers when they got something with somebody. I'm trying to walk in love. I'm walking in love. And so you say hi with this old stone cold heart. Put on this fake smile and think you are walking in love. But walking in love is a matter of the heart. It is something when you can love someone who is consistently and love them with your heart. It is something when you can love someone who has smiled in your face and talked about you behind your back. Can you still love like God loves? God challenged me in this just recently. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he challenged me in this just recently. And um, one of the things that I've never watched, The Passion of the Christ. I have not watched that movie. And so while God is dealing with me, the Holy Spirit says, watch The Passion of the Christ. And I was like, okay. So I I didn't watch the whole thing yet. (laughs) I couldn't get past the first scene because I was a mess. When I saw how Judas brought the men in the Garden of Gethsemane for Jesus. I was a mess when I saw Peter deny Jesus after Jesus had walked with him and loved him and discipled him. And I thought to myself, who am I to think that I am so above that no one can betray me, that no one can lie on me? Who am I? If Jesus can, and and the thing that took me, really took me, was when Judas kissed him. And I thought to myself, wow. And Jesus still walked to that cross for even Judas and Peter. It changed my whole mindset about how I love people. Because who am I? To not love someone in spite of them. If my life's journey is to be more like Christ, 
then that is one thing I have to conquer. The area of love. Because God loved me in spite of me. Because I was a hot mess.com in my early years. <laughs> and if it were not for the love of a mother who loved me unconditionally, when I did not do right by her, she still loved me. She didn't treat me differently. She loved me. You know, my sisters and brothers call me the favorite to my mom. And they wonder, like, why in the world would she, of all people, be the favorite? She was like the prodigal child. But how is she the favorite? It's because my mom walks in a heart of the love of Jesus in her life. And I can honestly say that she is a woman without an enemy. She loves people in spite of who they are, what they say, and what they do. A great lesson that I've learned in watching her life. So what does God say about us honoring his people? What does that look like? It's in our home by treating our spouse with biblical reverence and respect. We see in Ephesians, the Bible says, for wives to be subject to their husbands as unto the Lord, and husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for us. it. In a marriage relationship, both husband and wife are called to be subject to one another. For the wife, that means willingly following her husband's leadership in Christ. For the husband, it means putting aside his own interests in order to care for his wife. Honoring and submitting is rarely a problem in homes where both parties have a strong relationship with Christ and where each person is concerned for the well-being of the other out of our love for the father. We honor God by teaching our children God's ways in order that they may grow up to be formidable men and women of Christ. The Bible also states that we should not provoke our children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. When we teach our kids God's divine guidelines, we should teach them on their level, their own level, and break it down in such a way that they can grasp it. We must give them age-appropriate discipline, not in anger, but in love. Discipline isn't the same as venting, yelling, and screaming. How does God discipline us in love in order to correct our behavior? And we owe our children the same. So we honor God when we are intentional to discern the gifts, the talents, the abilities, and the special strengths he has placed in our children individually. And we nurture and assist in their development to guide them to what God has intended for their life. If we have more than one child, it's individual. 
Billy, Sarah, Christy, and John are not all called to be doctors. Yeah. God has placed individual abilities, talents, gifts, special strengths in each one of them. And if we are going to honor God with our children, our job is to discern what those talents, gifts, abilities, and special strengths are so that we can nurture what God has given us so they can grow up into what God has intended for them to be. What does it look like to honor God's people? When we honor our mother and our father. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, because this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. We must honor our parents by showing respect and holding them in high regard while we are adults. We get older and leave our parents' home or we get married and are no longer dependent on our parents' provision and protection and we are no longer obligated to obey them. Nevertheless, no one outgrows, get this, the requirement to honor our mother and our father. And this, again, is without condition. As scripture says, this is the first commandment with a promise. If we want things to go well for us and want to have a long life, live out our fully ordained days, it is absolutely crucial, that critical that we respond properly to our parents however many years they live on this earth. And that too, like I said, is without condition. As parents, we are not perfect. We don't always make the right decisions. We don't always do the right things. But God has called our children to honor us. We are to honor our parents no matter what they have done. We honor God by extending the same mercy and grace we extend to others. And if we think about it, if we have a parents that have done something to us and have hurt us, it's so funny how we can honor people that have done things to us and forgive, but it is so hard to honor our parents and forgive. I oftentimes see people hold the sins of their parents over their head, break relationship, or stop communicating, communication, and it is because of who they are in our life and the expectation we place on our parents is so much greater than the expectation we place on others. 
See, we expect people to hurt us sometimes and betray us, but we don't expect those things from our parents. We hold our parents with higher regard. And so when they fall, it's hard to to be able to be there to help pick them up and still honor love in spite of. But God calls us to honor them. And he has put no age limit on it. God does not put an age limit on grace. He does not put a cap on his mercy. His mercies are endless. The Bible says he gives us new mercy every day. And we must extend that same mercy to our parents. How do we honor God's people? We honor when we honor the elderly. Leviticus 19, 32 says, you shall stand up in the presence of the gray headed and honor elders and you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. The exhortation to rise in the presence of the elderly and honor the old is still needed today in a culture that wor worships youthfulness. We need to be reminded that gray hair is a glorious crown. Yes, it is. <laughs> Godly older men and women have experience, people. That you have not walked through yet. They have experience and wisdom that young people need. And so the age deserve our respect and our honor. The fact that God commanded the Israelites to honor the elderly shows how seriously we should take the responsibility of respecting and honoring those who are older than we are. Their wisdom gained through their life experiences can save us from many pitfalls. So we honor those who are older than us. If we are to honor God's people, we honor our leaders. Those in position of authority, whether it be in the home, on the job, in church, our governing authorities, we are to show respect and honor for they have been established by God. And we may not always agree with our leaders or find them personable, but we must always show honor, show kindness, and show respect. Lastly, God is looking for a people who will honor him with their life. Matthew 22, 37 through 38 says, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. 
Honoring God with our life begins first and foremost in our hearts. It is a conscious decision we make to put him first and foremost in our lives. It is the ultimate declaration of love towards our Father and a commandment from Jesus. Honoring God with our life is living a life of willingness, living a life of yielding, living a life of surrender and obedience. It is understanding that our life is not our own and we have been created for God's good pleasure and purpose to reign and rule with Jesus Christ here on earth to advance God's kingdom, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Honoring God is making God Lord of our life and living according to his word and uh, with not only... um, living according to his word, but also with our actions by making time for him and putting him first, praising and worshiping him, praying to him, obeying his voice and responding. Do what he asks us to do, putting our wants, our needs and our desires aside for what he wants for us, what he desires for us and showing gratitude and thankfulness for what he has done for us through Jesus Christ what he has given to us in the Holy Spirit and the perfect purpose plan and future he has in store for each one of us laying our lives down as a living sacrifice and really putting the things that we want aside for what God wants We have to understand that what God wants is so much greater than what we could even imagine in our thoughts for ourselves. So why would we not lay down our lives for a God who has been faithful and loving towards us? I love in Revelations chapter 4 where it describes a remarkable scene in heaven. 24 elders are gathered around the throne room of God, worshiping God and laying down their crowns before him, proclaiming to God that he is worthy to receive glory, honor, and power. For he created all things by his will. And by his will they were created and have their being. This is the sweetest picture of yielding their life as they honor the king. You know, the Bible says that one day all people will bow down to the Lord. And no matter how powerful someone might be or think they are, we will all leave our crowns at the feet of Jesus. 
Because there is only one king in heaven. And he alone is worthy of all glory, of all honor, and all praise. So I ask you today, who will honor the king? Who will honor him with our bodies, with our life, with our treasure? Who will honor the things that he honors? Who will honor his people? Who will honor the king? Hallelujah. 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 Yeah. Can we stand to our feet and just close out worshiping the Lord because he is worthy. Hmm. Because he is worthy of all glory, all honor, and all praise. Will you honor him with your lips? Will you honor him in your heart? Will you honor him and make him Lord of your life? And so today I ask, will today be the day that you lay your crown at the feet of a sovereign God. That you will put away all inhibitions. You will cast away all fears, all anxieties. Hallelujah. And will throw up your hands in surrender, yielding your life, honoring the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because he is so we would not be here who will honor the king of kings the lord of lord god we give you glory on today father i thank you lord god for all that you have done in our lives god i thank you for your son jesus christ who died on the cross for our sins so that we can have eternal life for you i thank you lord god that when he went up to sit on your right side you did not leave us alone god but you sent to us a helper in the holy spirit and he lives inside of us we are the temple of the holy spirit god and because the holy spirit dwells within us we will honor you god with our bodies hallelujah